Hey, um, I am so excited to introduce a dear, dear friend of mine, Dr. Joe Umidi, today. Uh, and I've got to tell you this up front. Uh, Dr. Joe uh, had an awful lot to do with the start of this church. Um, I, I, had, uh, I was taking my graduate uh, courses at Regent University, and by far he was my favorite professor. But the things that he taught me about the purpose of the church, who we are, what we're supposed to do, I'll tell you, he, he gave me things that still affect our church today, many years later. And uh, when I um, was, uh, had the chance of inviting him to be with us, I was so excited about this. Dr. Joe is more than a professor. Um, he's a life coach, and uh, I'm part of a group called the Ambassadors Network, and, and we all get on a Zoom meeting um, that has something to do with streaming, for those of you who are struggling right now. Um, we, we get on a Zoom meeting every Thursday night, and he, he coaches us um, in just how to take more territory for the cause of Christ. And there are people from all over the world on that broadcast. There are people that get up, literally get up in the middle of the night because they're in some country far away, just to be on this call, this, this conference, every Thursday night. And uh, it, he, he's just been amazing. Um, it's really funny, though. Uh, Dr. Umidi told me a little while ago, he goes, Greg, now I just, you know, I know how much time I'm supposed to have, but I'm going to cut it short, shorter than what you think. And, and I'm like, man, why didn't you do that at school? Uh, you know, it's like, not one time did you try to, try to do that. But uh, he and his wife, Marie, are, are here today. And I just want you to give them a huge welcome to Destiny Church. So glad you're here. One, th one thing I did not teach Pastor Greg was to how to have one of the best uh, worship bands I have ever heard. Wasn't that awesome? So if you like my message, can I bring them back to Virginia Beach with me? That would be awesome. It is a privilege to be here and to start my timer right now, Pastor, so I make sure I don't go over time on you. Hey, it's, I'm honored to be here, especially because of this series that you're dealing with on uh, fear and freedom from fear. And uh, I'm so privileged uh, to, you know, to be able to uh, hopefully... Tie in, you know, he's inviting me to a message that uh, I hope I don't say what he's already said. So, but it might be, might be cool anyway, because that'll just encourage you. I'm not sure how it worked in the PowerPoint. Are you guys working it there on this first slide? Hey, where is it? Good courage. Nice. Hey, how many of you know that there's um, courage and then there's good courage? There's a difference. And there's kind of good fear and there's kind of a bad fear. Like, you know, uh, a healthy awareness of what Hurricane Irma was about to do in Florida is a good kind of fear, right? And the people that got out of Dodge. Uh, but some of the people uh, I know, they just begin to panic at the sound that might be a hurricane coming in the Caribbean. And so that's not a good fear. That's, not a, that's, that's a panicky fear. So courage in the midst of fear is right if it's not just daredevil courage, but good courage. How many of you have done a, 
I'll dare you or I'll double dare you and did something you really regret when you were younger. Anybody out there? I can't see any hands, Pastor. So that's a good sign that uh, people can be authentic here because I couldn't tell what they're responding anyway. I remember once I, I was going to ha- get a baseball diamond prepared in a meadow. So we lit a fire to burn away the brush and the fire department had to come because we threatened to burn down homes in the suburbs. That was not a good, courageous thing to do. In fact, my nickname somewhere when I was young uh, was called Jack Pine Savage. Now, I don't know quite why they called me that. I think I was dared to climb a pine tree as fast as I could, and I got that nickname. I, I don't, you know, it was kind of a macho fearlessness that I could do it faster than my buddies. So, really, uh, we want you to be courageous uh, in the face of the fears you're facing, but with the kind of courage that's good. And, and not bad. Great, thank you. This one's in Dolby Surround Sound live stream, right? <laughs> so uh, I'm not sure if this is going to work, but uh, there's in Kruger Park, South Africa, there's this macho guy that's going to go ahead and he's going to harass an elephant. There's an elephant in the park, in the room, right? So I want you to run through these slides just real quick and watch what he does. This is not good courage. I would call that uh, foolish courage, wouldn't you? He's going to pass an elephant uh, at Kruger Park. So uh, that's not the kind of courage we're talking about today. Let's take the fine good courage on this next slide. Uh, Good courage is standing up and standing out for the sake of righteousness in our land and for the sake of the well-being of others. You notice the mountains, you know, because... uh, it says in Daniel 6.3 that this Daniel had an excellent spirit, and he stood out. And the word stood out in Hebrew means it's yatir. Can you say yatir? Now say it with Hebraic, yatir. Pretty good. And it means the mountain that juts out above the others. And so if you're going to stand out in this day, which you must, there really isn't Uh, much choice here. I mean, you're either going to burn jerseys and do foolish things and continue on the Facebook uh, down the Pied Piper path of of being neutralized and ineffective. Or in this generation, you're going to rise up, young men and women, or old men and women, in the Caleb call of your life. This is my passion. Caleb said, I had the health I had 45 years ago, therefore give me my mountain. He said that at 85. So whether you're 15 or 85, it's time to stand up and stand out for righteousness in the land and for the sake of the well-being of others. So uh, what fears do you think people have of standing up for righteousness today in our culture? Well, I'll tell you one fear I had for years. It's called the fear of man. Ever heard that phrase, fear of man? It's... It's people-pleasing. It's, it's, it's wanting to accommodate, want to fit in, and, you know, want to blend in, don't want to be singled out. I mean, it was like Neville Chamberlain in World War II who was appeasing himself for Hitler and, until Churchill arose and was willing to stand up and stand out. And thank God we had that kind of a leader. Well, we need that kind of a leader in our school grounds and in the business boardrooms and out wherever we are. We need men and women of God who aren't religious or self-righteous, but have good courage like Daniel with an excellent spirit that know the times and what the people of God should do. You know what time it is in the kingdom of God? It's time to have good courage.
it really is time. There's also the fear of failure or disappointment. You know, some of you uh, thought you heard from God and you stepped out you, and maybe you, you did your due diligence and, and then it didn't happen the way you hoped or, or dreamed it would happen. I'd say I really honor your pastor because, you know, it's real simple. You can go and get a master's degree where I teach, but at the end of the day, you still have to trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. Pastor Greg heard from God, steps out, and plants this church, what, 17, 18 years ago, and uh, hey, you think it was just nothing but uh, fun and games all the time? No, you know the history of this church, and you know uh, the disillusionment and disappointment when your dreams get pushed back and you get dashed. We need some biblical perseverance in this generation that stands when the dust settles and keeps on knocking and keeps on not saying, well, I don't feel peace about that because the door seems to be shut. Come on. It's not about how peaceful you feel. It's how willingness you're, you're, you're able to be courageous uh, in this hour and to, to, to contend for the dream. So let's talk about what kind of courage would be appropriate. The first one is courage in the line of duty. Uh, Joshua, as you said, be strong and of what kind of courage? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So let's just talk about uh, your job. Some of you, are all you retired and uh, have uh, inheritances and, and you're just... Is, or some of you still work around here? I don't know. So what, what you face every day at work that you would say, I need good courage in this area. Would you write that down, please? Right, you know, right now, Holy Spirit give you a specific good courage that you need at work this week. I believe I've been sent at this particular time because there's a particular fear that you're dealing with this week, this season, on the job. And I'm here, sent by God, it's no miscue, it's not a happenstance, to let you know that there's something for you to receive today that's going to prepare you for what you face at work. So what fears do you face at work? Every job has a part of it that will take courage. There's no job you could get. There's no perfect place you could work. It doesn't have some part of it that is fearful, that uh, tends to overwhelm you, that pushes your buttons. Uh, and by the way, I've been in this long enough to know that uh, just about the time that I think I'm getting away from some people that I really were troubling me and harassing me and were antagonists, Lo and behold, there they are in a different body with a different personality, but the same antagonism in some other place. So you don't get to run, you know, to find the perfect place this side of heaven. Your promised land uh, does not arrive until, it's not the fat lady sings, but the real phrase is until the barren lady uh, sings. Single barren woman, you know, stretch forth your tent pegs. That means uh, we get to be in the battle until the battle's over. Amen. There's no retirement in the kingdom of God. There's refire. There's reinventing. There's refocusing. There's, and it's, it's fun. Might as well uh, get in. Uh, the water's fine. It's a great privilege to be alive today. It's the best time to be a Christian. Uh, we need uh, to face those fears. And here's someone who did. Uh, this uh, next slide is a picture of a young couple that's friends of mine. And what happened, 
uh, is that he's just always wanted to be a policeman. He's really young and he's really small. I think he's about 138 pounds soaking wet. And all of a sudden, uh, he realizes a license plate in front of him as a young policeman in Suffolk, in Suffolk, right? And so we have a Suffolk, Suffolk, Suffolk only in here, so you'll understand this. And so he says, oh, recognize that uh, there's, there's someone who, who uh, did something minor or something. So he gets out to stop him, and this big guy weighs 275 pounds, takes off running in the woods. Now, I'm not sure if this was good courage. I really appreciate what our first responders do in the line of duty when they run up on 9-11 and everything else. So this was courageous. He runs after this guy on his own. And uh, unfortunately, uh, the guy turned around uh, with a brick in his hand and smacked him and uh, basically took him just inches from his life and then ran off, even grabbed his gun. And um, the only reason he survived was his backup that he didn't wait for uh, showed up within 45 seconds or a minute, and they called that Nightingale helicopter to get him quickly to the hospital. When I went to the hospital to visit him, because he's a nephew of the uh, son-in-law of a friend of mine, there were all the state police, maybe 30 of them, in circles of prayer. The governor uh, of Virginia then, uh, Governor McDonald, was calling and praying. The mayor of Suffolk was praying. I mean, I've never seen so much prayer going on by our elected officials in one place for this young policeman. And uh, he recovered by the grace of God, but he doesn't want to be a policeman anymore. So I'm not sure how to interpret all that, except to say that he was very courageous in the line of duty. I honor him for that. And uh, he, at the same time, uh, he could have done it differently, perhaps, if he had waited just another minute for his backup to be with him. Here's the question that I have when I talk to him now. And it's the question I have for you. Have you faced something at work? that has really set you back. And in the line of duty, you're no longer all in when you show up at work. I mean, let me be honest with you. When you kick your feet out of bed tomorrow morning and before they touch the floor and you think about going to work tomorrow, are you really excited about it because you understand that's your mission field, that's your place of worship, that's where you present your body as a living sacrifice and that's your stewardship of your time? Or are you on the inside holding back because of some fear and you're showing up on the outside, but only God knows that you're not all in? Are you with me? You know that 83% of people who work today, and I'm, it's close to that for Christians as well, uh, do not make a living doing what they love. Do not make a living doing what they love because they've lost the courage on the line of duty at work to be all in. They're half in, half-hearted. And God's looking for men and women whose heart is whole towards him and the place he's put you to bloom where you're planted and to steward the influence. Let me say this real quick. Thank God if you're a Christian today, you understand what it means to be salt and light. You're going to be light and darkness and you're going to preserve the decay of our culture. But there's another calling that it's time to step up into. You're more than salt and light. You are an ambassador with the ministry and the message of reconciliation. You're not just called to show up with your character. That's the 101. But the 401 is you're called to actually step up and stand out and step into situations where there's irreconcilable stuff and to have the courage to bring 
peace and perspective on the job. You know, what happened to me was uh, I was uh, taken to a retreat center uh, for faculty, and they, somebody thought, let's go do a ropes course for these old faculty in the divinity school. You know, and I was like old then, but everybody else was older than me. And so the game was a big spider web, five faculty go rigor mortars on the ground, six faculty pick you up, pass you through the spider web without touching your body, the other six faculty take you. I was the last one to go, and the rule was if, if you touch the body of anybody, then you're going to have to go over again, including all those before you. Just before they got me through, they touched my hip. These old codger faculty were so disappointed, holding me up seven feet in the air. They just walked away, dropped me to the floor. Bam! I hit the ground, rigor mortis, back of my head hits a tree trunk, and I'm now seeing stars. I'm kind of nauseated, dizzy, right? And here's like 18 faculty praying over me, you know. Maybe it was a second, 30 seconds, I don't know. But in, during that prayer, there were seven videos going off in my mind. And each one was a past incident where some leadership had let me down, disappointed me, didn't follow through, made me lose face, caused me to be embarrassed. And I realized that something else was going on except this little incident or accident. I knew that if I got up and said, hey, I think I'm going to step out of this game until I recover, everybody would have understood but that's what I did the last seven times. I would show up to work because I had to, but only on the outside. On the inside, I wasn't all in because I wasn't courageous enough to deal with my own disappointment. I had learned to get comfortable for almost 10 years with a low-grade fever of unforgiveness and disappointment. And I want to tell you, that's no place you ever want to land. Life is too short to be half in. Come on. Either find a job you love or find a way to love the job that you're in. I've been at Regent University 32 years. Do you think there's been times when I haven't had to reinvent my approach to my job? I'm an expert at this. How many of you have been at your job more than 32 years? Come on. That's a long, and the fact that your pastor has been pastor of this church for 17 some years, I think we ought to give him thanks for that because that's a great track record right there. And so I'm just sensing that some of you today uh, need some courage in the line of duty because you found a way, you know, just to think about your work. It's just what you need to pay your mortgage and put grocery on the table. That's not your call. It's much higher than that. You're going to have to uh, get a hold of something today, and it can shift the outcome of tomorrow. I'm, I'm prepared. So this next slide is really... What's what I'm talking about? It's it's the perfect storm. Some of us here today are going to need courage in the line of work because storms will move. It's not if, but when. There's going to be a merger that may come to mess up your 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 role. There may be a financial downturn. There may be ethical failure of senior leadership. All of a sudden, everything that can be shaken will be shaken at work. And you've got no choice because you're on this tanker ship. You've got to head into the storm. You can't turn around and go back to port. That's where you work. I know a guy who's 78 years old, and uh, he's also on the Ambassador Alliance, but he's been too busy lately. He's in the Department of Federal Budgeting as a major accountant, and he is completely overwhelmed uh, 
and the stuff that goes on at work, and he's in another storm. He's working at 78, 77. So, again, you don't have to raise your hand, but just jot down if you're taking notes. How many of you today are facing a specific fear at work? It seems like the convergence of a perfect storm. And how many of you say, Lord, on the inside, I, I really need courage at work. I need courage in the line of duty. The second courage is personal courage. And uh, I like what it says here in uh, Scripture. In fact, I don't know if I have the verse. Why don't I have the, the verse there? Uh, that's from Jeremiah. I'm surprised I don't have the reference there. All you biblical scholars, you can tell me what the reference is. So, uh, but the Lord said to me, do not say I'm a youth. For you shall go to all whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. So Jeremiah was a weeping prophet. He was sensitive, and God told him to speak. He was young, and uh, he was fearful. So I think some of us, I know I have, have had fears at a young age that caused us to take the path of least resistance. And uh, maybe some of you young ones today, you know, I, we're, I'm have the privilege right now of being on uh, executive vice president of Regent University, which is the fastest growing uh, uh, school college in America for the last three years. And uh, that's not just because next person is close. It's like 90% of higher education are not growing. And those that are, are like three to 5%, we're at 23%. But we have so many young people coming in who want a Christian education, but uh, they're really uh, dumbing down their future choices because they just want to play it safe. They just want to make sure that they can you know, get a job. It's all important. But I'll tell you, I know a lot of students that have already got a degree and then are coming back because they figured out the only reason I chose the first one was to, you know, have some kind of security. Have some, but it's not really my calling, not my passion, not my whatever. So I'm trying to help them get it right the first time. You know, it's really a sad thing when a college person graduates from a degree with seventy-eight dollars to $85,000 in student loan debt but doesn't really want to do that degree job for a vocation. It's not, not too cool, right? So picture this. I'm standing outside a phone booth one day outside of Portland, Maine. It's an October night like it's been cool. It's kind of foggy. And I'm standing outside of a phone booth. A phone booth is this booth that has this store... And you, you put money in it, you know, and, and there's a phone. In England, they're red. Have you ever seen those? I don't know, maybe, but I know I'm dating myself. Anyway, uh, that phone looked like it weighed 300 pounds. And the reason was, that was the night that I made the decision to call my father and say, Dad, I just dropped out of law school. Listen, my father wanted me to be a lawyer my whole life. I love my father. I wanted to please my father. Remember, I had fear of man as part of my life. And so I got all the way to law school, but it wasn't my dream. It wasn't my passion. It wasn't my calling. And I had to have the courage, the personal courage, to be able to make that decision that night to say, i got to draw a line in the sand. I've got to do what I'm called to do, which I don't even know what it is yet, but it sure isn't law school. You know, one thing I didn't like about law school, personally, was that there was so much administration, you know? And now I'm in the ministry, and I have twice as much administration with one-third the pay. I don't understand it. Anyway, I did the right thing at the time, and my dad backed me up. 
Here's a man, his name is Randy McMillan, and he's overlooking the capital of Columbia, South America, uh, Cali, Columbia. And uh, Randy's story is interesting. Uh, he uh, was a jokester, uh, kind of a fun-loving guy. He was the cut-up in Sunday school class. None of his teachers thought he was ever going to make anything himself. And his grandfather was the founding church, a pastor of a major Presbyterian church in Norfolk, Virginia. His father was a prosecuting attorney, well-respected. And so Randy decides that he's gotten radically saved and he wants to be a missionary. And, he all, and, he, and so his father was t- totally dismayed because he wanted him to be a, a lawyer or something else. So his father locked him in a hotel room for two days and got in front of him and did his prosecuting attorney thing to try to convince him that uh, this was the wrong thing to do. At the end of the two days, his father came out and said, my son knows what he's doing. He doesn't have it all figured out, but I'm convinced that something's happened to him. His son had the personal courage at uh, 20 years old to stand up uh, with his father, and his father then backed him the rest of his life. And, you know, he went on to Cali, Columbia, and I could tell you stories for the next couple of hours. I'll just tell you one. He was a funny guy. So when I was down there with him, he was videotaping all the haciendas of the drug lords that are a block long. Their homes are a block long with high walls. And he's saying, and here's where your American taxpayer dollars are going for these cocaine people. And all of a sudden, the garage doors open and three Mercedes come roaring out and they pull us over, put machine guns to our heads, take our passports. And I'm not having too good of a courage. I'm saying, who do you think you are? I'm an American citizen. Not too good. Anyway, somehow we were spared. But when they took the videotape out of his recorder, they realized he was making fun of the drug lords. And so they, they put out a warrant. He had to be in his home for two and a half years. He couldn't leave his home because he would have been hit. They had a hit man on him. It, life is cheap, and ministry leaders are assassinated all the time during the, those drug cartels in Colombia. Uh, Randy was responsible for planting 123 churches in the nation of Colombia and changed the core of the nation. Randy was responsible for the all-night prayer meetings in Colombia that shook the nations, brought down all the drug lords where no other reason, explanation could they bring them down. But every one of them, including Pablo Escobar, was taken down uh, during that time. Randy, uh, all that stress, he went home to be with the Lord uh, at 51 years old but with a, a heart attack. He's no longer with us, but his, his uh, widow and the movement is stronger than ever. So, you know, Randy struggled with the fear of inadequacy. You know, he was young. You know, he, did, he, he didn't know what he was doing. He, he didn't have all the training. He had a fear of indecisiveness. He, he didn't know if he could uh, make the decisions that had to be made when he first came to Columbia. And I'm saying that all of this because personal courage is going to be required for us in this hour, and God will give it to you if you simply step up and stand out. God will back you up, prepare the way, and in the midst of it, you'll find the ability to have courage. If you wait for courage before you step across the line, it won't come. You have to step across the borders of your life, the border bullies that hem you in and keep you intimidated, and keep you lukewarm or mediocre, and don't think, who am I to stand up and stand out? That's either the self-tapes of your youth, or of your experience, the self-talk, or it could be people that really love you, but 
you know, if you step out in something big, then there's no excuse for them to stay behind the line of mediocrity. They have to either step out too because you did. They'd rather pull you back. And so when you take a step across the line, that's when you find the courage. If you wait for the fear to go before you step across, you'll never cross the line. So today, I believe God is impressing some of you that there's an indecisiveness in your life because you're waiting for something to lift. But God is saying, step across the line, make the decision, and on the other side of it, you'll have the personal courage you need, the good courage to follow through with it. I think that's for someone here today. In fact, someone's here today. The last is relational conflict. And relational conflict is when it says in Galatians 2, when Peter came to Antioch, I withstood him to his face. This is Barnabas because he was to be blamed. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. So Paul was confronting Peter. Hey, my hero of the Bible, Barnabas. Even Barnabas, even the big guys, even the elite guys couldn't make it without having healthy confrontation and conflict. I'm going to say something that may sound strange to you, but I've lived by this and I believe it with all my heart. Here it is. You'll remember this phrase. On the other side of conflicts, courageously and prayerfully faced, I can expect the blessing of God. And so some of you uh, are backing away from conflict because in your mind, uh, it doesn't lead to anything good. I want to say without any equivocation that the blessing in your life, the breakthrough in your life is only going to come through the doorway of conflict. And you need to be real about how to deal with it with people. And God will show you a way. Uh, I, I have um, the privilege of uh, having walked through conflict that I can't stand. And I've become an expert at no longer running and uh, hiding, uh, but finding ways to address it. I want to say today, as, as we're winding this up, that relational courage is the key. This last slide is... When I went to South Africa, uh, this next slide, uh, there was an area of the country, it's the poorest of South Africa and the highest HIV AIDS. And on this last next slide, uh, there's a, a place called a Shabin. Uh, well, we don't have this. I'll just tell you about it. And so this was a place where um, a man had, uh, there's no jobs in the area, but he, he sold uh, alcohol, hard liquor to all the men and the men were all addicted and the only way uh, when they didn't have any money to get the alcohol was to give this man their daughters so there was a stronghold for like 15 years of doing that and we went there to pray because we knew that was going on we didn't have a we, we, we didn't have authority we didn't live there but we we came to encourage we came to pray and uh, the, uh, the picture that I uh, took was a James Bond one where I was doing a prayer walk around and I got a picture of this guy. Well, we didn't know what would happen, but when we came back to the U.S. after that missions trip, three months later, some woman in the community finally had the boldness, the courage to stand up and have relational conflict. And she found one all the way to Johannesburg. It was like a six-hour drive and uh, reported him. And the newspaper said he was now in prison for all those years of what he had done. And I was, sh a shout came up from the tents, uh, the victory, uh, uh, because God's people, no matter where they are, were able to do the things that I'm asking you to do today. 
they had good courage, courage in the line of duty to overcome fear of standing out at work, courage in the personal courage to overcome fear of inadequacy or indecisiveness, and relational courage to overcome the fear of confrontation and conflict. So in the face of fear, in 2017, men and women of Destiny Church, I declare to you what I really believe with all my heart, we can move from being overwhelmed to being overcomers. And you don't have to be swept away by the tsunami of fear and anxiety in our times. This is your day, your time, your opportunity, ambassadors, to stand up and stand out with good courage in this hour and to be able to fulfill what it says in Revelation 3.12, He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Father, I thank you today in Jesus' name for the overcomers in this house not by the might or power, but by your spirit, not by their own strength, but Lord, by the power of your word, your promises that are yes and amen. Lord, I thank you today that this week on the job, this week personally, and this week relationally, there is a new move of good courage overcoming the fear that we face. Let God arise over Destiny Church. Let the enemy be scattered. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen.